Hello, and welcome to episode 41 of the Reconomy podcast, where we discuss economic issues that impact real estate, housing, and affordability. I am Odetta Kushi, Deputy Chief Economist at First American, and here with me is Mark Fleming, Chief Economist at First American. Hey, Mark. Today, we're going to talk about a part of real estate that we don't usually address, but makes up a huge part of our lives. Every time you walk into a Starbucks or get a delivery from Amazon, you're interacting with this part of real estate. Hi, Odetta. That means we're talking commercial real estate today. We sure are. And let's just define commercial real estate. In simple terms, commercial real estate is real estate intended to generate a profit. Contrast that with residential real estate, what we're usually talking about, which is defined as real estate meant for people to live in. Commercial real estate has many different asset classes, as we like to call it. Retail, that's your Starbucks. Industrial, that's warehouses and logistics centers. Office space, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. And hospitality, which is hotels. And also multifamily like apartments. Right. And the reason we're talking about this today is because the rising interest rate environment we're currently experiencing due to the Fed's attempts to reduce inflation impacts commercial real estate. That's right. And we came up with a model because that's what economists do. We come up with models to try to better understand just how rising rates may impact commercial real estate. It's called our potential cap rate model or, or PCR. That is not to be confused with the PCR test we've all become so familiar with in recent years. Mark, potential cap rate? We're talking about real estate, not hats. Aha, that's a good one, but guess what? It's going to get better. Uh, no, no, cap rate stands for capitalization rate, not the hat you wear. Okay, watch out, listener. Here comes a little econ John, aka econ jargon. Uh, I roll, my goodness. <laughs> okay, fair, fair, okay. I'll, I'll stop the jokes. A cap rate is the estimated yield or, or the return on an investment property, assuming no debt is used to purchase it. Cap rates are calculated by dividing an asset's net operating income, sort of the profit, by its value. NOI is that income left over to an owner after covering operating expenses, but before servicing debt. Since cap rates do not take debt servicing or sort of a loan that you might get to buy the, to the, to buy the real estate into consideration, cap rates are a measure of what is called unlevered yield. So holding that NOI constant, an increase in prices would result in a lower cap rate and vice versa? That's right. Typically, a lower cap rate means an investment is less risky because <coughs> investors are willing to accept lower income returns relative to the price because of perceived lower risk. That makes sense. So we've explained the cap rate part of the PCR, but what does the potential imply? Ah, uh, yes. Well, think about where else we see the word potential. It shows up in economics in potential GDP, in our very own proprietary potential home sales model. So while an actual describes what happens in real life, remember, we're economists and we make models, potential implies a level that could be achieved given market fundamentals. That is, assuming you know what those fundamentals are and can measure them. That's no problem. We're economists. We assume all the time. So the potential cap rate model uses different metrics to establish a potential cap rate level that is supported by market fundamentals. But what are these fundamentals in our model? Great question. 
The PCR model estimates cap rates based on the historical relationship between interest rates, what we were just talking about, rental income, prevailing occupancy rates, obviously sort of that demand for the profit generating capability, the amount of commercial mortgage debt in the economy. We do that to sort of get a sense for how much demand is out there to buy commercial real estate. And also, likewise, a measure of the demand and supply dynamic is the recent property price trends. This particular model is a national cap rate model, including all major asset classes. So we're able to disentangle what's driving that overall cap rate level in any given quarter. And what are the implications of when the PCR is above or below the actual cap rate? In our inaugural report, the PCR was below the actual. I mean, what does that mean? When the actual cap rate is significantly above the potential cap rate, there's a greater chance that the actual real cap rate in the real world will decline because the model is saying that the actual cap rate is above what the market's quote fundamentally quote supports as measured by that potential cap rate. Conversely, when actual cap rates are significantly below that fundamental cap rate level, there's a greater chance that cap rates will increase. Actual is below what is supported by the market. Data, we recently released our Q1 2022 PCR report. What were the findings? Great question. By the way, that blog post can be found on our Econ Center blog at firstam.com economics. So in the first quarter of 2022, the national actual cap rate was one percentage point higher than the potential cap rate. So the market could support even lower cap rates than reported given market fundamentals. But I think the more interesting story is where cap rates are headed and what's taking them there, particularly in this rising interest rate environment. You know, the Federal Reserve recently hiked interest rates by a more than expected 75 basis points in June. And with more rate hikes to come, how does Fed tightening impact cap rates? That's right. This is why we build these models to try and understand and answer these kinds of questions. All that Fed tightening, increasing in the federal funds rate, quantitative tightening, all of that's pushing up the yield, aka the return, on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond. And if investor can earn the yield paid on a 10-year treasury, which is considered risk-free, it follows that they should be compensated with a higher return than that for any invest investment that has risk of any kind greater than the risk than the 10-year risk-free treasury rate, such as a commercial real estate asset. All else equal, the higher the 10-year treasury, the higher the cap rate should be to reflect that you're taking risk over the risk-free rate. Well, that's a wonderful theory, but so far this hasn't been the case. Cap rates remain near all-time lows and price growth in the first quarter remained relatively robust, albeit slower than the record growth uh, seen in the fourth quarter of last year. But given the rapid increase in the 10-year treasury from 2.75% at the end of May to about 3.4% as of mid-June, should we expect those cap rates to rise? Well, the short answer here is yes, but we can use this PCR model to explain it better. Um, remember back to that all else equal comment? Our PCR model suggests that while raising, rising interest rates do play a role in driving cap rates up, right? they do not have as large an impact on cap rates as recent property price growth does. While the two are related, there are also other factors that impact price growth in addition to interest rates. For example, if investors expect prices to continue increasing rapidly, they would be willing to pay a little bit more to purchase a property now to capture the gains from price growth in the future. 
which in turn drives cap rates down. Remember, the cap rate is NOI divided by price. Using the PCR model, we can get a sense for which of the market fundamentals are most substantially contributing to changes in the overall cap rate, a decomposition, if you will. And in our latest report, we found something interesting. And by the way, we include a decomposition chart in that blog post, so check that out. In the first quarter of 2022, rising interest rates contributed positively to the PCR. Ooh, so my theory's working. Yes, but this upward pressure was overshadowed by record price growth from the previous quarter. This resulted in a decline in the PCR to 4.3%, which was approximately 1% below the actual national cap rate of 5.3%. So higher price, price growth has been keeping the downward pressure on cap rates more so than rising interest rates have put upward pressure on cap rates. But do we expect this to continue? Spoiler alert, um, we do not. Although national CRE prices increased 17% year-over-year, that's impressive in the first quarter. On a quarter-over-quarter -quarter basis, price growth slowed substantially. According to the PCR, that moderation in the quarterly price growth in the first quarter will lead to a modest increase in the PCR in the second quarter. Paying more for an asset that's not expected to grow in value as much is less appealing, and therefore, cap rate, cap rate should go up. One pretty big caveat here. Not all asset classes are created equal. Decelerating price growth was not distributed evenly across asset classes. Lower price growth in the first quarter was pulled down primarily by office and retail assets. Both multifamily and industrial, on the other hand, set first quarter price growth records, increasing at a faster rate than during any other first quarter in the last 20 years. And I want to take a second here to talk about why that is. Retail and office assets face a lot of uncertainty still. We all know of the primary headwinds for the office sector, the work from home, how much of it are we going to do or not. But there's also a lot of uncertainty about what happens to offices in a world where many are able to either work entirely from home or partially work from home. These, this creates a uncertainty about the amount of demand, essentially, for office space. For the retail sector, Work from home is also changing where we want our retail to be. And of course, there's the continued rise of e-commerce as an ever-present concern in the retail sector. But one's vinegar is another sugar. The rise of e-commerce is the industrial tailwind. The growth in e-commerce has increased demand for warehouse and logistics centers beyond belief. And then there's multifamily. Driving the demand to own multifamily is the strong demand to rent apartments. We can see that demand relative to limited supply in the price growth data. In April, rents were up more than 16% on a year-over-year -year basis. And that demand is a result of new rental household formation from people wanting to live alone, maybe less so with roommates. And it's also driven by the fact that the for sale market has become so unaffordable. Another reason is discussed in a recent working paper released by the National Bureau of Economic Research, which suggests that an increase in the number of remote workers during the pandemic was responsible for the majority of apartment rent growth between December 2019 and November 2021. The authors argue that the new demand for apartments is a fundamental and long-term change. Given that physical office occupancy, according to Castle Systems data, remains at 44%, the long-term change implies that there is a shortage of available apartments due to over a decade of underbuilding and a new significant source of demand for that scarce space. A, a persisting supply-demand imbalance is likely to further drive price growth beyond the rate of NOI growth, and multifamily cap rates will remain low despite increased costs of financing. 
Of course, going back to our original point about the rising risk-free rate, that's just the required rate of return calculation, but there are clear differences by commercial asset class regardless of broader underlying rate environments. As Odetta pointed out, industrial, particularly driven by online retail, and multifamily young millennial demand are both benefiting from strong demand relative to supply. Offices and hotels, on the other hand, requiring higher returns because of all of that future uncertainty. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. I think this topic has a lot of potential. Get it? Get it? Uh, <laughs> and I hope we can talk more about commercial in the future. Yeah, potentially. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Reconomy Podcast. If you have an economics-related question you'd like us to feature on a future episode, you can email us at economics at firstam.com. We love to hear from our listeners. And if you can't wait for the next episode, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Odetokushi for me and at mfleminecon for Mark. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Reconomy podcast from First American. For even more economic content, visit firstam.com/economics. This episode is copyright 2022 by First American Financial Corporation. All rights reserved.